You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Merry Christmas, everybody, and thank you for giving. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, we are blessed, and it's a real pri- privilege. Uh, the pastors and I, we love serving here, and uh, we get to hang out with people like you, and especially at the a great Christmas season. We are really, really blessed. I wanted to say that uh, this morning we are trying to do the impossible. Uh, we, as we are traveling through this Christmas uh, season and headed towards Christmas, this year we are trying to simplify Christmas. How many of you have, you have been giving it a good shot trying to simplify Christmas this year? I hope so. Well, we have done something to kind of start the services this year, uh, and I've been, I wasn't going to do it. Pa- Pastor Bobby said, don't do that ever again. And um, for those of you that are new or haven't been here the last couple of weeks, I started by leading the congregation in a great Christmas carol. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And that didn't go all that great. And so I thought, well, I'm going to grab the guitar and I give my guitar skills a, a chance. And uh, that was even worse. And, uh, and so I thought, you know, what am I really good at? What is it in my musical repertoire that is my go? Whoa, thank you. I'm going to need some volume. That'll help. Tap dancing, no, maybe next week. But I thought, you know, what do I do most often? Where are my gifts? Where do they lie? And I, and I don't know if you realize this, but your pastor, I am a whistleist. Yep, I love to whistle. And uh, whistling's a great thing, and uh, it's a joy. I bring joy to the whole house. In fact, last night, I was whistling to uh, Christmas music, and Jessica said, why are you ruining this song? I said, I'm preparing for Sunday morning. And so without further ado, what I'd like to do is I'd like to invite you, those of you that are whistleist at heart, those of you that know how to whistle, anyone know how to whistle? All right, okay. All right, if you, it, yep, that's right. If you didn't raise your hand, we're going to ask you to refrain from this. That means don't participate. Um, and we're just going to give it a good old whistle opportunity. So we need to warm up a little bit. I, I learned this first service. Just uh, go like this and wet your whistle. You don't, no dry whistles here. All right, here we go. And uh, give a little uh, scales. Here we go. All right, we ready? All right, all right. If you're going to whistle with me, this is how it goes. Oh, this is good. Oh, yeah, it gets better. Oh, I missed it up. (laughs) 
Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yep. I know that was not that great, but that's okay. <laughs> and we've been challenging the premise of this song that it's the most wonderful time of year. And we've said it is not the most wonderful time of the year because of the frenzy, the busyness, right? And we said there's so many expectations and there's a list of things to do a mile long. And we've said the parties and the presentations like this morning and the presents and all these things. We've said that simple and Christmas, they just don't seem to mix. And so we talked about the frenzy. And then last week we talked about the finances. We said money and finance, or money and Christmas, those go hand in hand. But is it simple? No. It's complicated. So we challenge each other to set a budget, to make a list, and then to stick to the budget. And I did mention last week that uh, my parents, one time, they returned a, a gift of mine, and, and I said, I never got that gift ever in my life. It was a train set. And I've told that story uh, dozens of times, probably over the years. And this last week, someone from the church, they went and they bought me a choo-choo train. <laughs> I almost cried in my office. I'm going to set it up, and it's going to be glorious. And uh, you may have seen the picture online, but uh, that was really, really special. Someone really stepped up and cared. But as far as simplifying Christmas, you know, you might think, oh, that sounds nice, right? It sounds magical, but it also sounds a little unrealistic. Am I right? And so we tried to give some tips, and we tried to give you some tools to simplify Christmas. Now, Today, we're going to take the next step in our journey of F's at Christmas, right? And, we've, and I'm just curious, as we talk about family today, I'm curious if there are any perfect families here at the Gateway Church. Oh, yes, I see that. Get them out of here. We're the ushers. You're in denial. Get out of here. You are an usher. <laughs> oh, shoot. Pastors. Where's the elder? Oh, no, he's going to be the elder. Oh, man, there are no perfect families. Am I right? We're all messed up. And the longer that Jessica and I have been married, and the longer we've journeyed through, we will look at each other at times, and we will be like, everybody is crazy, right? And I'm the chief person. I'm weird. I get it. And uh, it just is human nature. In fact, you don't have to go very far, even from the very beginning of time, to see, even in Scripture, that people are messed up. Think about Adam and Eve, the first two people that God created. They're living in paradise. They're having a great time. Eve gets tempted. She eats the, from the fruit. Adam comes, does the same and God's coming after him. He's looking for them. They're hiding. And what does Adam do? He throws his wife under the bus. He totally blames her. He's like, it's that woman you gave me. Talk about dysfunctional. And the aftermath. We are still living in the aftermath of that, of that situation. The first kids that were born, Cain and Abel, right? And I can just see... Uh, <laughs> Cain and Abel are out there, and they're fighting. They're not getting along very good. And Mary, sweet old Mary, I was thinking of Mary, or not Mary, Eve, thank you. 
But I was thinking of Mary Hardy and her sweet voice. And Mary, would you help me with this? The things are going so well. I'm just going to go for it. Mary, could you say, I think Abel hates Cain. Just say it in your sweet voice. <laughs> yeah, and Adam's like, and Dennis, you might as well just go with it. Den, Den, uh, Adam's like, ah, oh, they're just boys. They'll be fine. That's right. And then all of a sudden, one of them's gone. <laughs> I mean, how dysfunctional is that? The first murder. And then you fast forward, Joseph and all of his brothers gang up on him and they sell him to slavery and then they lie to their dad and the stories go on and on through scripture. And you start to think, you're like, hey, I'm in good company. Anybody feel that way? Like, hey, I dysfunctions in the Bible. My family's a little dysfunctional. I'm feeling okay. Anybody with me? Absolutely. I hope so. And then you think about families and you're thinking, hey, Christmas is coming. Ready or not, here we go. And the idea of coming home for the holidays, for some, it's, it's kind of scary. Especially when you add in the extended family. You know, the ones you love, the ones you're supposed to love, I mean. You know, the ones you know you have and the family you wish you never had. And the grandpa gets crazier and crazier as time goes on. My grandpa, he's not going to listen to this so I can say it. Um, he, as he's grown older, he's become more confident uh, in his expressing his love for the ladies. And uh, my great-grandma, or my grandma, she passed a few years ago. And now it's like all on. If, if you're a lady, it doesn't even matter if you're single, young or old, he's going to give you a kiss. And I'm thinking, Grandpa, oh, Lord, help us. And, and uh, it just gets crazy. And on the more serious side, families get together and family dynamics have changed. And now the, there's been a divorce and now you know, you know, things are not, never going to be the same. Or maybe you know the, the uncle that made your child forgettable or you want to forget, he's showing up. You know the one that w if he didn't show up, it'd be more merry. And you're thinking, oh, these family dynamics are scary, they're hard. And this year, they're coming to your house. How about that? Oh, boy. Complicated. Stressful. The, just the opposite of simple. Complicated. And it's Christmas, and we're supposed to be always in a happy, jolly, perpetual good mood. How many know that that is just not always possible? You know, it's the people that make Christmas difficult. And it's family that makes Christmas sometimes impossible. I was thinking about it. How many of you have ever got into that family tree idea? You know, you're kind of looking at your ancestors. Um, every generation seems to be fascinated with it at some level or not. And nowadays, they've got that DNA testing where you get a swab from your mouth and you put it in the envelope and you send it off and they send you the results back and you're thinking oh man you're hoping that somewhere in your line of history that there's someone that was royalty like a prince or a king or a queen right or you're wishing that warren buffett was you know it might be 12 people 12 generations away or or separations but it doesn't matter you know you're hoping someone famous like oprah winfrey she's got money too right and then all of a sudden you're like Haha, look at my family tree until it comes back and a notorious criminals in there or uh you know someone from the you know that was with the kkk or something like that i mean bad you know like it's like keep 
keep, you know, you just keep it to yourself and you're like, oh, I'm not going there. This is a true story. A friend of mine did some work with a family tree and literally in his family tree, there were two prostitutes, well-known, and a murderer in his family tree. And they published it, what's even worse, in a book that most of you may have had or seen. It's right there. And in fact, you may know this person. His name is Jesus. You say, two prostitutes and a murderer? What? Read about it in Matthew chapter 1. It's the Christmas story. The Christmas story rolls out with a messy situation. Isn't that interesting? And it doesn't really get all that much better. Not only from his heritage is there their blemishes and black spots, so to speak. But think about the situation that Mary and Joseph had. <laughs> Mary, a teenage girl, pregnant, denying that she ever had any relations, right? And then Joseph, the boyfriend, saying, hey, I know it wasn't me. And then he's struggling what to do. And he's about to, not to disgrace her, but to uh, let her down nicely and quietly until an angel comes and convinces Joseph to stick in there. I mean, we're talking a messy situation, a difficult situation. And today, if that was happening, <laughs> Joseph would have just waited and said, well, we'll see whose baby it is. We'll just have it DNA tested. <laughs> and uh, that's how it went down in 2018, I guess. And for so many reasons, family and Christmas, you put those together, it is not simple. Because of weird people, again, but for dynamics and strains and distances, you have to travel and the expectations. And all of those things are real. I was well aware that Christmas is difficult when it comes to family for other reasons as well. A good friend of mine uh, posted this last week, and I'm almost never on Facebook, but I, I noticed that uh, he had put a post, and I read it, and he lost his wife to cancer four years ago. And it just caught my attention. He, he writes about that, and he said, this is the first Christmas that he put a Christmas tree up in his house, and he told about it, and the why it was so difficult. And I thought, you know what, there are people like that, people that are lonely, people that are struggling through the season. They just want to get by. You know, family and Christmas, it's complicated for a whole myriad of reasons. As we focus on family, I wanted to narrow the focus even a little further and bring our attention to a topic that is difficult but so necessary We've been praying that God will get a hold of our hearts in this as we talk this morning about forgiveness. And so I'd like to do this, that, that as, we, uh, as we ask God to break into our messy situation, I believe, and I hope you believe, and you'll support that, that God does his best work when we allow him to breathe on our situation. That's what we're asking God to do. See, forgiveness is something that we all have to wrestle with, especially when it comes to our families, those that are closest to us. And it's not something that just happens once and then you're, you're off on your way. It's ongoing and it's hard. The idea of the flip is unforgiveness, right? And that's a big issue. It holds people back from experiencing the abundant life and the true blessings of God and, and freedom. 
people hold on to bitterness and there's a lack of joy. And ultimately, we're going to see, is that it can stunt us spiritually. You cannot grow as a believer if you're holding on to unforgiveness. And this Christmas, no matter what the problem is, no matter what the issue is, the best gift that you could receive or give yourself, and we'll explain that, is to forgive. And we want to encourage every single one of us to do that. So let's talk about forgiveness. There are four different words used in Scripture that describe forgiveness. Three Hebrew, one Greek. Let me explain each in a little example. Picture this in your mind. The first one is to cover, kind of like you'd put a rug on a dirty floor. The second word described is to, it describes to, to lift or to take away, like you would remove a stain from carpet. The third is to pardon, to wipe the record clean. And the fourth term is, means to let go or to send away, almost like you'd release a prisoner from jail. Now, I want you to get this. Put those together, and I want you to see this picture, that God, and what he does, he covers our sin, he removes the inner stain, he wipes our personal record clean, and then releases us from the guilt so that we are set free. Isn't that incredible? Would you say that with me? Just uh, say what God does. God covers our sin. He removes the inner stain. He wipes our personal record clean. And then he releases us from the guilt so that we are set free. Our sin is forgiven. It's blotted out. It's removed. It's buried. That's the God we serve. And if you've never experienced that, or you've ran from God's forgiveness, You've suffered too long. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to be set free. And at the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. See, this is what God does. Hey, let's turn in our Bibles to Exodus chapter 34. It describes our God. Look what it says. It says, the Lord, the Lord, the, the compassionate and gracious God. Here's the description. He's slow to anger. Everybody say, thank the Lord. Abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands. And then it says, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. How many of us could be honest enough with ourselves and say, you know, there's been a time where I've been rebellious or I've let sin get the best of me or maybe I've just been flat out wicked, turned from God. And what does God do? He forgives. You know, this idea is captured in a song that the kids sang. I don't know if you caught it. You probably didn't. I wouldn't have. In the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, it says this, peace on earth, and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. God and sinner working it out. God really forgiving and reconciling our sin. And for most of us, we understand that. That's the Christmas story, right? That Jesus came to this earth to forgive our sins. God and sinner, God and me, we're doing okay. We don't deserve it, yep, but it's offered freely, right? It's a gift. It's a miracle. It's salvation. And again, we're going to give an opportunity at the end of service. If you don't know the Lord, don't walk out of these walls or out of this room without accepting Jesus. 
and we think God and sinner, and we think, okay, we're good to go. But there's another component that Scripture challenges us with. is not only God and sinner, but what about sinner and sinner? Reconciled. Husbands forgiving wives. Wives forgiving husbands. Brothers and sisters getting along and reconciling. A dad and a daughter, an uncle and an aunt, a nephew, a grandma, a grandpa. You put it in your situation into the equation. Reconciled. Sinner to sinner. Reconciled, you say? And all of a sudden, there are dozens of reasons why that is not going to happen in your situation. We think it costs too much. The price is too high. And let me just remind you that the truth is God had and has had an endless reasons not to reconcile with us. We've given them, opt- you know, it's our sin or our attitude or our indifference at times or our lack of respect or that we're just stone cold towards him. And what does God do? He still extends forgiveness. That's what our God does. So sinner to sinner. And I want to just paint a picture for you. The idea here is that you cannot be right with God and be wrong with others. Let me try to explain it. We look at the sinner, God and sinner, as a, a relationship, a vertical relationship with our Heavenly Father, right? God and sinner reconciled. And that's God and us. And He does that. And it's all Him. But then we also have this horizontal relationships, right? Sinner to sinner. If you can imagine two planks of wood put together, what does that create? The cross. And it's the cross that makes the difference. It's the cross that says, okay, we're going to be right with God, but we also must be right with others. And we see that even in the Lord's Prayer. Turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Wrong verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then it says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Verse 12 is the key. Forgive us our debts, that's God and sinner, as we forgive our debtors, right? Those who have sinned against us. It's a cross, and it takes both. What should we do with that? Well, we should follow what Matthew 5, verse 21 through 26 talks about. And I want to put a little Christmas twist on the Sermon on the Mount in a section about murder. You're thinking, murder at Christmas? What are we talking about? Well, let's look and see if we can make sense of it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 says, You have heard that it was said that people long ago, You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister or mom or dad or aunt or uncle or co-worker or friend at school, you fill in the blank, will be subject to judgment. Anyone, again, who says to his brother or sister, Raka, which is kind of a word for contempt, to have contempt, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger. <laughs> what? of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift, put it in a Christmas context, you're going to grandma's house and you've got a gift to bring, 
What is it? it says, leave that at the altar. And you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave that gift there in front of the altar. Go first and reconcile with them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. That's the goal. That's what God wants us to do. And again, we put that in a Christmas twist. You put the gift there at the altar. You leave it. You go make things right. And then you come back. And then you can really celebrate. You say, man... That's too hard. <laughs> I can't do that. And I would just challenge you that you, we've got a little time, maybe before your Christmas party, to do this before you show up. Say, well, you know, how many times do I have to do this? I've tried this before. Well, Peter was asking that question in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, and he was asking the, the same exact question that may be coming to your mind. How many times do I have to put up with it? And he thought, well, maybe seven times. That's a lot. And that's about where my limit is. And what does Jesus reply? He says, not seven times, but 77 times. In some of your Bibles, it might say 70 times seven. And you think about that. Well, the idea here is that it's inexhaustible forgiveness. Over and over and over, we are called to forgive. And the idea is not just to receive forgiveness, but to extend that to others. And yes, it's hard. And again, you put a Christmas twist on that. Just track with me here for a moment. See, God demonstrated his love for us at Christmas time, right? Why then is it such a struggle to demonstrate what we celebrate? We celebrate God and sinner, but we don't demonstrate that sinner to sinner why is it that we won't or we struggle demonstrating what we celebrate and i would say what is holding us back why don't people forgive why don't we forgive there's a few reasons that i thought of this week certainly this list is not uh exhaustive but uh these are a few things that came to my mind the first one is that we are out of touch with our own sin where we don't understand how our own sin affects other people. And we start to compare and we rank our sin. And we say, well, I, I lie sometimes, but man, they steal. Or I do this, and, but man, they do this and it's worse, right? What does God say? In his eyes, sin is sin. It's all the same. And it all stinks. It's kind of like a baby, you know, that you know, poops in his diaper, right? And the baby knows that the poop is there, but he sits in it, and he smiles, and it's like, I know it stinks, but it's warm, and it's mine, right? And we do that with our own sin. We've got to come in touch with our own sin. The second thing, why don't we forgive? Is because we want revenge, how many have ever felt the cringe like, oh yeah, I'd love to get back with so-and-so? And the rest of you are probably lying, right? We know what we're going to do. We play it over in our mind. We got the circumstances and we, we play it in our mind. We've got the words to say. We want to take things into our own hands, right? But you know what? I've seen enough movies, 
movies about revenge? Can you think of a movie about revenge? The one that comes to my mind was The Count of Monte Cristo, right? The guy's out, and he's thinking revenge and revenge and revenge, and at the end, it's totally unfulfilled. Instead, could I offer you a different solution? Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 it kind of lays out an idea. I'll start in verse 17. It's not on the screen yet. It says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Verse 19 says, Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. Okay. It's mine to avenge. I will repay. That's not you saying that. That's God. And then he says to do this. If your enemy is hungry, go ahead and feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And you know what? I think it's just God's way that we get a little satisfaction when we let God take care of our issues. You think about it. We let God be the avenger, right? He's going to take care. We don't go for revenge. One pastor said, I was reading this week, you know, when you uh, release somebody and forgive them, it will drive that person nutty. That's heaping coals on their head. Let them just sit in that, right? And we can do that. Another reason that we hold on to for, uh, unforgiveness or we don't forgive is that we carry self-pity. We create these excuses of things that have happened. We complain about our upbringing or about situations that didn't go quite right or maybe some abuse or a lack of care. Or, uh, there should have, someone should have been protecting or this or that. And I certainly don't want to minimize our past, but don't let it holds you back from freedom and, re and from release. Let that be a word from the Lord. Stop whining about your past. Instead, could I offer a different solution to say something like this? Lord, do something great in me. Lord, glorify yourself in my circumstances. See the difference? Say, God, you can do something in me. Do it. Glorify yourself. Why don't we forgive? The fourth reason is we let our emotions rule our lives instead of truth. How many have ever forgiven someone? Really, truly say, ah, look, I forgive you. But then the next time you see them, like at the Christmas gathering, you, those feelings come back. And it's like, ah, oh, I, I can't even stand to be in the same room. Because someone pushes your buttons, they irritate you, and they do it on purpose. They know they'll get a rise out of you. I know some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'd encourage you to try this, to do what the Beatitudes say, to bless those who curse you. Hmm. Bless those who curse you. To release expectations and choose to forgive those that it's hardest to do. And the feelings will come. And you keep working it out. Turn with me to Mark chapter 11. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, I love this. It talks about kind of a recipe here for, uh, for prayer. It says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have already received it. It'll be yours. You're saying, that sounds good. 
And it says, and when you're standing praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. There's, a, there's an idea in Scripture that until you forgive sinner to sinner, you won't be right with God. That cross picture. And we need God's help in this. We don't, if we don't forgive, it will affect every area of our lives. There's bitterness that taps into our physical nature. So I've seen people that have had headaches or chronic pain or um, issues with their body, and, uh, and it affects them physically. I've seen it where it affects mentally, where it just wreaks havoc with your thought life on forgiveness. It affects us emotionally. It talks about spiritually. It affects our relationship with God. And ultimately, it affects our relationship with others relationally, especially with those that are closest to us. Instead, I really like what Hebrews chapter 12 says. It says to, that to let there be no bitterness. Verse 15 says this, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. We need to remember that. No bitter root to take hold. And yes, there are unresolved issues in our families, but can you believe this, that until you set that person free and forgive them fully, you cannot be free yourself. So how do we forgive? I wanted to give a simple answer in our Simple Christmas series. How to forgive, Christmas edition number one, we need to ask God for the list. And I'm talking about the list. Not the list for grandpa's present because you have no idea what to get them. I'm talking about the list of people that you're holding something against. The list, when I talk about forgiveness, the name that keeps on coming back to your mind over and over. And, you know, some people say, well, I don't believe that God speaks to me. Well, if you ask God this question, I promise you that the Lord's going to bring someone to your mind <laughs> and he will show you the naughty and nice list and, and he will show you where there's bitterness or where there's resentment. And you say, man, that's too heavy to carry. I don't even want to bring that up. I don't even want to address those issues. What am I supposed to do with this, Pastor? So I ask for the list. Then what? Well, the second thing simply is to bring that list to Jesus. Because you do not have to carry a list like that. You don't even have to pay for it. Jesus already has. And when we look at a list like that and we bring it to Jesus, there's two options of things to do. If the person that you're holding something against, it's possible that they don't even know that you have an issue with them. And if that's the case, you don't go to them. You just release it, you give it to God, and let God help you in that circumstance. You understand what I'm saying? But if they do know, and let's say it's a family member, and there's no question, everyone knows it, it's like that big elephant in the room, right? If they know, you need to ask God for help, and then you need to go to them and make it right as far as it's possible with you, according to Romans 12. You make amends, right? Like the 12-step process talks about. 
And the thing that I want to encourage you is to make the first move. In counseling and uh, marriage therapy, I've learned that whoever makes the first move first, they're most mature. So be the mature one and do that. And you don't do it like you go to them and be like, hey, I've been bitter with you for 10 years. And then you list all the things that they did or you list all the things that they said. And then you say, and I forgive you. <laughs> that would be the wrong way to go about it. Instead, maybe you could try something like this. You ask their forgiveness. You say something like, you know, I've had feelings of hatred for you for a long time. Will you forgive me? See the difference? You say, you go, if you're a son, you go to your, your mom or dad and you say, you know, I have been rebellious and nasty and I've been holding on to things for a long time. Would you forgive me? Or you let say, man, my sin nature has got the best of me. Or my bad thoughts. Or my unloving attitude. And again, please forgive me. See, the idea is as far as it's possible with you. Go again to that uh, Hebrews chapter 12. The goal here, and we'll look at it in contents, it, it says in verse 14, make every effort to live at peace, in peace with everyone, and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Again, that idea here is that if you don't have your relationship sinner to sinner taken care of, it affects your relationship with God. And so to be holy, right? Without holiness, you will not see God. See to it that no one will fall short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. So we got to live it out. we got to walk with Jesus. We need the grace of God to, again, breathe on our situation to bring forgiveness. And think about it. Who should be the quickest person to forgive? whoever's been forgiven themselves. And that's what God has done. The gift of forgiveness has been offered to us, and it ought to be those of us that have been forgiven should be quick to forgive. So we've had a relationship with God. Now we make a, our amends with those sinner to sinner. One more scripture, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. This is uh, foretelling the coming of Christ it's described it says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light that's Jesus it says on those on those living in the land of the deep darkness a light has dawned the light bulbs have come and I want to say to you to run to Jesus run to the cross and as you do you may need to write a letter or pick up the phone to make things right to pour out your heart and to deal with the unforgiveness and the bitter root. See, Jesus, he's always the right place to go. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask Liz to come as we wrap this up. I want to encourage us to let the full message of Christmas be displayed in our lives. Let's leverage the message of Christmas this year. And I know what some of you are thinking. Well, if I do that, they will 
not care. Or they will not appreciate it. Or they will not reciprocate and forgive me or extend the same to me. And I just want to remind you that the truth is, is neither have you in regards to your relationship with God at times. There have been times God's love has been extended to you and you just flat out didn't care. Am I right? There has been times when you did not appreciate what God has done for you. And there have been times you have not reciprocated. Every time you sin, every time you make a mistake, you're turning your back on that forgiveness. So don't be so hard on others because you're in the same boat. And God did not resend his offer of forgiveness to you when you were in high school and started looking at pornography. He still extended his love to you. And when you were in your early 20s and you decided to take something from your employer and steal, God extended his forgiveness to you. And you fast forward into your 30s and your marriage got rough and you walked away from your family. God extended his hand of forgiveness to you. And in your late 50s, when things in your family went awry, God was there to forgive you. That's what he does. And who are we to withhold that same type of reconciliation from others? And this Christmas, I want to bring you to the cross where not only where God and sinner are reconciled, but sinner and sinner can be reconciled. It's the hope of Christmas. In our Bibles, Luke chapter 2, we read about the Christmas story. In fact, we got a little rendition of it this morning. Kids did such a good job. Thank Your kids are awesome. And the man, our kids department... Uh, preschool and nursery, uh, just so great. Brittany Harrier, Pastor Bruce's wife, has been uh, leading there. We just love her. Thank you. Uh, make sure she, we, I'll let her know how much we care. And then Rachel's knocking out of the park, too. Uh, we're really blessed. But uh, when it comes to the Christmas story, we need to remember to read this. And I want to just read a little section of this, and we'll pause at a certain point where I want to bring some emphasis. Let's read it. It says, And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in, Ga- in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to the firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will 
find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And then it says, suddenly a a great company in heaven, a heavenly host, appeared with the angel, praising God. And what did they say? They sang, glory to God in the highest, in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace. And that's what we're talking about. When you come to the cross, there's peace for your situation. Where you've struggled forgiving, there's peace when you bring it to the Lord. And again, we want to leverage the message of Christmas. And the message of Christmas is that Jesus came, stepped into humanity to provide a way for you to be saved, but also a way for you to reconcile. You say, well, the pursuit of peace There's no guarantee. Well, one pastor said this week, the pursuit of peace without the promise of peace is not a worthwhile or worthless pursuit. Excuse me. And so we've got to pursue that as far as it's possible with us. See, forgiveness is key to breaking negative family patterns and traditions. And my challenge to you is who As I've been talking this morning, the last 20 or 30 minutes, who has come to mind? Who in your life do you need to forgive? Who is the Holy Spirit revealing to you that you've got some work to do around this? Uh, One of my friends uh, slipped me a note after service, and he said, this is my favorite quote, and he said this, and then we're going to pray. He said, There can be no enduring relationships without forgiveness. I thought, man, that's good. James McDonald's, I think, known for saying that. And this morning, or this afternoon, we want to bring those names to the Lord. And so let's pray. Lord, I pray that you just reveal to us in these next few moments before we take off. Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Bring reconciliation. Heal our hearts. Set us free in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask this for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. See, the goal is to love like we've never been hurt. And I'm just curious this morning. In fact, let's go ahead and stand and just prepare to respond. This morning, we've set this up for an opportunity for each of us to be able to be in the presence of God and to do a little work around this. And I'm curious, how many of you here would say, you know, Pastor, there's somebody that came to mind in regards to forgiveness or holding on to hurts or bitterness or pain? Would you just be honest and lift your hand that somebody, yeah, look at the hand all around this place, absolutely. Two simple steps. To make the list. And for some of you, the Lord's already speaking to you. And you have someone in mind. For some of you, you need to spend some time and maybe write that name down. But then let's take the second step together. Let's provide a place in the presence of God to bring it to the altar and say, God, I'm leaving this with you. I'm bringing it to the cross, so to speak. 
and let God breathe into your situation. So if you're here this morning, as we sing this song about coming to the altar, would you respond? Would you spend a few moments before you you head back into the hustle and bustle of the season and respond? You can say, well, I've just listened. I could deal with this later. Listen. It's one thing to hear the news. It's another to respond to the good word. And so let's do that together this morning. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As we're here in this place, in the presence of God, as we start to think about working on this and releasing others, giving the gift of forgiveness, you have to know that it's more of a gift for you than it is even for the person you're forgiving. So don't hold on. Let the Holy Spirit, let the power of the cross breathe on your situation and let God do the work. He wants to do it. And I know it's not easy and I know that it's messy. And every time that those feelings come up, you release it again over and over and over. And what's great is that the peace of God, like we just read in the Christmas story, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. Peace will reign in your family. Peace will reign in your heart. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that you capture our hearts. And Lord, that you are quick to forgive even when we didn't care or even when we threw it back in your face, or even when we've struggled. But Lord, you're there. You've been a perfect example. Lord, help us to walk in forgiveness this season. Forgive our family, those that are closest to us, co-workers, those that, are, uh, that, we, that have been so difficult forgive. Lord, it's only by the cross that we can do this. We need your help. Lord, just as I'm closing, we may need to forgive ourselves as well. Release ourselves from the pressure and just came to my mind first time in the week. And Lord, I just pray that you would just minister in those situations as well. Lord, that we don't have to hold things. Oh, God, I pray. Do your work in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that now that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us. And Lord, give us a simple Christmas. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for being here this morning. In Jesus' name, you're released. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.